0: Okay, so today's diseases, although we're not going to get through all of them, we're going to talk about Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's disease, epilepsy, muscle spasms, brain trauma, meningitis, encephalitis, strokes, peripheral diseases, including multiple sclerosis, Guillain-Barré syndrome, and amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. No, we have till Monday to do it too. So, um, hey, this is... Okay, Parkinson's disease. Yeah, because we already talked about that particular slide. All right, Parkinson's disease. There's something called the extrapyramidal system. There's a series of ganglia in your brain that look kind of like a pyramid. If you have neurons that go around that ganglia, they're called extrapyramidal. So, extrapyramidal uh, system are nerves that go around it. Now, if a person has symptoms that are called extrapyramidal symptoms, they include dyskinesias and psychological disturbances. So, in Parkinson's disease, what we're going to get is we're going to get a destruction of the nerves in that extrapyramidal system, which are going to lead us to our dyskinesias, which are problems with moving and our psychological disturbances, which can include dementia, depression, and impaired memory. Now, the dyskinesias of Parkinson's disease, one of them is tremor. So everyone, tremor. Now, if you can see the tremor, what's it called? (laughs) Coarse tremor. If you can't see the tremor, then it's called? Fine. And what you can do is you can put a a piece of paper over their hand to amplify the tremors. The mask of Parkinson's. Have you ever heard of that term? What happens is the facial muscles become tense. Remember when we said the other day, if you want to bend your arm so you can touch your shoulder, you have to relax the tricep at the same time as you flex the bicep. Well, in order for your face to make expressions, so smile... Mouth. thank you. Frown. Puff out your cheeks. Close your eyes real tight. What, what, what? Facial nerve? Facial nerve. What nerve am I testing? Facial. (laughs) Facial. Facial, thank you. All right. Same thing with your face. Your face has to relax certain muscles and then tense other muscles. In Parkinson's disease, the patient's facial muscles all get tightened at once. And eventually, they can't make expressions anymore because all of their facial muscles are tightened up, and that's called the mask of Parkinson's disease. Postural instability. What do you think that is? What's the word when someone can't walk properly? Say again? Ataxia. Now, bradykinesia... Bradykinesia is where movements begin to go away. And a person cannot move as much as they usually would. Akathisia is a repetitive motion, and it's usually like a rocking type motion. So, like you put them in a chair, and they start rocking like this. That would be akathisia. So, in Parkinson's disease, we have the muscle problem, the dyskinesias, and we have the psychological problems, <coughs> including dementia, depression, and impaired memory. For akinesia, if they really think about it and try, can they not do it, or is it out of their control? Don't know. Probably a little of both. And w- more out of their control, the, the more it gets. They might be able to control it for half a second, but just like breathing, the moment you forget about it, you go right to it. All right. Um, now, what causes these problems is an imbalance in your brain between acetylcholine and dopamine. dopamine. Now, what do we say? Acetylcholine is always excitatory. It always tells a neuron to fire. And in the case of your um, in the case of your muscles with the dyskinesias, what's the acetylcholine telling the muscles to do? To contract. On the other hand, we have dopamine. Dopamine in the extrapyramidal system is inhibitory. So, what's going to happen there is you've got more signals to flex than you do to relax. relax, and that's why you get that constant tension in the development of the mask and that postural instability. A lot of times you'll see them kind of hunch forward, and they when they try and walk, they you know they're like fighting their muscles to try and and walk. Now. Um, Dopamine comes from neurons in what's called the substantia nigra, the black substance, in your, in your brain. 70 to 80% of the dopamine-supplying neurons are destroyed before Parkinson's symptoms appear. What does that mean? It means that Parkinson's is really just an end-stage disease of something that's been going on for a lot longer. So by the time you actually have symptoms, you only have 20, maybe 30% of your neurons left that produce dopamine. That's why do- Parkinson's syndrome is so hard to treat and practically impossible to cure because we would actually have to regenerate and grow you know, basically a whole new brainstem area. Uh, most people who get it, get it when they are in their later years, like... 50, 60, 70. Um, a few people get it early, and the most famous of which is Michael J. Fox. He got it when he was th- in his 30s. Um, oh, by the way, have you seen the, the um, interview with him where he's like can't talk quite right and he's all like kind of jerky? Have you seen that? Yeah. What caused that is he overdosed on his medications on purpose to make them come out more. so so he can kind of demonstrate this is what it could be like. But it's actually, what you're seeing there is not the disease, you're seeing the side effects of the medications. Just so you know. What? Um, He would actually have bradykinesias. Yeah. All right, now, um, we are currently unable to reverse it, so the only thing we can do is slow it down. Now, there's basically two things that we can do. We can either increase dopamine, those are called dopaminergic drugs, or we can inhibit acetylcholine, and that's called anticholinergic. Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Now, as it turns out, um, the drugs will improve dyskinesias, but not the tremor and rigidity, at least the dopamine. By giving acetylcholine, you can reduce the tremor a little bit, but not very much. So dopaminergic drugs. There's a couple different ways that we can do it. We can promote dopamine synthesis. We can stimulate dopamine receptors. We can inhibit dopamine breakdown. Okay, beep. Don't you love it when I self-beep? All right, drug selection. The mainstay... What does that mean, the mainstay? The The most common drug, the drug that works the best, is levodopa. It is the most effective, but it also has some long-term side effects that are not very nice. Um, Dopamine agonists are less effective, but have fewer side effects. So, um, levodopa does not actually activate dopamine. These drugs that are called dopamine agonists actually activate dopamine receptors. Um, sometimes you can give a combination of the drugs. So let's talk about levodopa, shall we? Now, the way levodopa works is it promotes dopamine synthesis in the surviving neurons. So you have, how many neurons do you have left by the time you the symptoms start to show up? You only have about 20 to 30% left. But if you can make those 20 to 30 percent work better, you can reduce some of the symptoms. And that's how levodopa works it enhances synthesis of dopamine in those remaining neurons. The adverse, um, it's highly effective, but it fades away over time. Typically, after five years, there's hardly any noticeable effect left. So it's very unfortunate for someone like Michael J. Fox who gets it early because the drug doesn't work as well after they've been on it long-term. Now, the adverse effects are long-term dyskinesias. So it can actually cause the very thing that we are trying to treat. Now, there's also what we call an acute loss of effect, and there's two types. So basically, the drug just stops stops working. One is what we call gradual wearing off. So basically, you're on the drug, and slowly you notice the symptoms coming back over the course of an hour or two. What happens there is you just don't have a high enough dose or you're not taking it frequently enough. So what do you do about that? Take it more often or take a higher dose. If you there's also what's called an abrupt on off, like you're doing fine, you're doing fine, you're doing fine, all of a sudden bam, symptoms. In that case, what we usually do is tell the patient to take <laughs> high protein meals when they eat when they take their levodopa. All right, as far as uh, the kinetics, it's well-absorbed PO. It's delayed by food, especially protein, and that's why um, Mm -hmm. taking it with a protein meal helps to prevent that on-off. Most of the levodopa is metabolized in the periphery. What is periphery? Outside of your central nervous system. Now, anything that gets metabolized outside of the peripheral nervous system is going to increase... Side effects. If it works in the brain, that's where we want it to work. That causes therapeutic effects. If it works somewhere else, that causes side effects. effects. So what we would like to do is find some way to make levodopa not get broken down in your periphery, so that way it'll have more chance to get to your brain. The adverse effects, um, and they're dose-dependent, meaning the more you take, the worse they are. So, nausea and vomiting, if you take it on an empty stomach, can really cause you some nasty uh, GI side effects. Dyskinesias, up to 80% of patients will have dyskinesias. Um, Cardiovascular problems like postural hypotension or orthostatic hypotension. And then it can actually cause psychosis. It can cause people to have hallucinations, delusions of grandeur, delusions of paranoia. And then it can also actually damage... Neurons. So, taking it on an empty stomach make it worse? Yes. Makes it work. Yes. All right. Um, if the person stops taking their levodopa for a little while, we call that a drug holiday. And it will actually make it work better. So, what happens is kind of like the patient gets tolerant. You know that word, right, Tiffany? Yeah. And then by having them go off it for a while, then their, their body kind of resets and it works again better. Um, As far as drug interactions go, it can interact with conventional antipsychotics because conventional antipsychotics also enhance dopamine. So give me the name of a typical antipsychotic or traditional, one we just talked about like five minutes ago, Haldol or haloperidol. And another one you can know is Thorazine or phenothiazine. It's the first one we ever discovered. Those work by enhancing dopamine, so that will also cause that problem. Um, MAO inhibitors. Oh, by the way, promethazine, Phenergan, started out its life as a conventional antipsychotic. So if a patient has surgery and gets Phenergan for it, that can increase the side effects of their levodopa. MAO inhibitors, anticholinergic drugs can also interfere. And then the food interactions... You need to know about the protein. All right, next drug is actually levodopa plus something else called carbidopa. Now, what carbidopa does is it prevents the breakdown of levodopa. So, what does that do? Prolongs it in the system. Okay, it does prolong it in the system. But what else does it do? Helps the brain use it. How does it help the brain use it? right so if it can't be broken down in the peripheral system more of it will get a chance to get up into the brain so it makes it it increases the therapeutic effect and what does it do to side effects decreases it so levodopa plus carbidopa together are called Cinemet, and it is actually more effective than levodopa by itself so if you have a test question which asks what is the most effective drug for parkinson's disease that we have what would be the correct answer? It would be levodopa plus carbidopa. Is there oh. okay. All right, um, next we have the direct dopamine agonists which actually activate dopamine receptors. Um, there's two what we call ergot derivatives and then there are two non-ergot derivatives. Ergot is a type of plant. Ergo, I go. Um, Basically, all you need to know, I'm not going to ask you to, to know any of these drug names. Basically, what you need to know is that the ergots have more side effects because they are not as selective. No, you don't need to know the drug names. All right, so other Parkinson's diseases or other Parkinson's drugs, blah, 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 blah. These are just so you can see them. Now, anticholinergics. Reduce tremor, but not the bradykinesia. They are better tolerated than the dopamine drugs, but also less effective.